This is Infidel One. Offending Coyote Down. Offending Coyote Down. Roger that. Welcome to Trappin' Radio. We're proud, organic, free-range, wild fur farmers of North America. Let me tell you a little story about how I was raised. Every day work, every day pray. God, family, friends, yeah, everybody sins. A winner never quits, and a quitter never wins. Help folks in need, don't fall for greed. A jealous man is weak, so think before you speak. If you love them, let them know. If you hate, let it go. Fast can be fun, but sometimes you need slow. God is all good, the devil is so real. So listen up, y'all, because this is how I feel. I won't back up, I don't back down I've been raised up to stand my ground Take my job, but not my guns Tax my check till I ain't got none Except for the good Lord of above I answer to no one Now let's cover our sponsors. They do a lot to help support Trapping Radio. So I'm asking you guys out there and gals, to help support our sponsors as they keep trapping radio on the air. First sponsors, Oki Cable and Trap Supply. Jeb's the owner of this. He's out of Oklahoma, super guy. You'll not meet anybody nicer. It's somebody you're gonna wanna deal with. You can reach him at OKTrapSupply.com. You can give Jeb a call at 918-429-4648. Not only does he do trap supply guys, he's a fur buyer, so if you're around the Oklahoma or surrounding states, give him a call with your fur. When you need stuff, give him a call and he'll get it out to you as soon as he can. Our second sponsor is F&T Fur Harvesters Trading Post. Everything you need for trapping, hunting with hounds, and predator calling. Guys, if you're into trapping fur, hunting fur, chasing fur with dogs, you're not gonna be able to think of hardly anything that you can't get from F&T. You can reach them at fntpost.com. You can also give them a call at 989-727-8727. Whatever you want, F&T's got it. Blue Ridge Outdoor Supplies. Scott Payne is the owner of this business. He's in Elton, Virginia. He also has a lure line, Mountain Rebel Lures and Baits. He's got a great coyote trapping video. He's also a fur buyer in Virginia. Anything that you're looking for and your trapping needs, give Scott a call and he'll get it right out to you. Wildlife Control Supplies, proven solutions for wildlife control, delivering value, expertise, and products to the wildlife individual. If you're in the ADC business, control business, even fur trapping, you need to look at these guys' website. Top-notch company, have everything you would want, even the odd stuff that ADC guys are looking for. You can reach them at wildlifecontrolsupplies.com. You can give them a call at 877-684-7262. International number is 860-844-0101. If you're a wildlife control professional, you need to have wildlife control supplies as one of your favorites on your computer or your phone because when you come across something that you need specialized equipment, Alan will get it right out to you. Now let's go trapping. See, I'm a flag flying, Bible toting son of a gun. Yeah, I'm hell on the heart. 
one just a rebel on the run scared don't know it fear don't feel it the truth is the light sometimes you gotta fight good beats bad right beats wrong i'm a ballroom preacher and this is my song i'm climbing for the top representing for the country i'm the people's champ right out to dear camp shotgun toter republican voter hank jr supporter let's protect our border to hell with anyone who don't believe in the usa because this is what i say i won't back up i don't back down i've been raised up to stand my ground take my job but not my guns tax my check till i Okay, I'm at uh, Washington County, or Washington City, I guess, uh, Pennsylvania at the FTA and the PTA combined traffic convention. And uh, I've got Jeff Dunlap somehow. He never listened to his mother and he let me lure him back to my <laughs> motel room to our uh, recording studio at the table. And it's a, it has a 1970 retro look to it too. See, that, that should have been all you needed to see to leave. When it looked better from the outside. <laughs> no shag carpet, though. No, nothing for bugs to live in. That's probably why they're doing it. So, since you're sitting here, and, and you know everything there is about the fur industry. Yeah. And you know all about the fur market, and you got all the ends and all that type of good no, stuff. I wish I did. <laughs> One of the, uh, you know, where do you think... Like I was telling you earlier, the orders that I'm getting now are actually more than they were this time last year, which was odd considering the way some of the auctions went. And you know, dealers always nervous, are people gonna be interested and 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 what's gonna be going on, so everybody's trying to figure it out at shows and stuff like that. And what's your take on on what, what what's going on in the trapping industry as far as the fur goes? Uh, it seems like it seems like the thing that the, is. It seems like the thing that is not really doing the best is the raccoons. To me, you know, uh, everything else could come back because, like, uh, up to Napa, there's probably what half a million raccoons sitting up there. But there's not a half a million red fox sitting up there. There's not a half a million coyote. So there's a potential that that stuff could move on at least on the September sale. And if they have a cold winter, we could be, you know, even with a half million raccoons, one sale and we're back in. So if you ain't got the fur, if they don't go out there in November and trap it, they're not going to, and the price goes up, they're not going to be able to capitalize on that market. So are you are you personally thinking you're going to lay off the coup next year and concentrate on other stuff? Uh, I wanted to go. I've always loved mink trapping. When I was 16 and got my driver's license, I had went mink trapping that and I always wanted to catch a hundred mink in our area to catch a hundred mink uh, that was a big deal and I wanted to do that and and so I always loved mink trapping and, I, and with rats our rats last year up to half I averaged just a little bit less than fifteen dollars so I'm gonna can you I'm imagine that on a muskrat that yeah. still blows me away yeah uh, I come close to that it had to have been probably late 70s my dad was the president of the Southern Michigan Trappers Association, and I got $12. And uh, they offered me, that was big big money then, that was real $12. And uh, I was standing up in front, and they offered me the $12. And I said, no sale. I thought, I had like 40 rats or something. I was real young, and <laughs> I thought they were gonna give me 12 for all of them. My dad says, you better sell. But, you know, but now even 15, I mean, that's a, that's, that's big money for rats. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, for especially for a southern trapper, when a rat is worth more than a raccoon, yeah, I'd much rather skin the the rat. Yeah, because then uh, I average almost 15 on them rats, and I average right around 16 something on coon for Michigan coon. And those are big hairier raccoons. Yeah, yeah. not good color, but a lot of hair. So you were telling me that you're going to start your own your own uh, international Jeff Dunlap's auction. <laughs> yeah. So I, why don't you give us a sales like pitch on that? Well, I said me and you. Oh, me? Okay. <laughs> Since I'm a partner in this, I hope you out. Okay, so me and you. Me and you'll just drive around. We'll pick up people's fur, and uh, they can give us their fur. We'll sell it for our 10%. They, got no, they get no say in what we sell it for. <laughs> We take our 10% and uh, we'll borrow them some money on their fur that they own and we, then we can charge them interest on it too. And then we'll give them some bags. Probably not fancy bags, but like more like burlap because <laughs> it's us. So that's your sales pitch. So yep. we're going to get people's fur. Yeah. We're going to... It seems like it seems like that's going on now, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to be trendsetters, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you put it that way, it's kind of depressing. Yeah. It, it is, I mean, it is scary. When you give that fur over, you do. You lose all control over what happens to it. There was a time in my life where I gave it to NAFA or somebody like that. Back then it was North Bay because I, I liked the trapping. I love the trapping. I always have. Um, the part I hated the worst was the marketing the furs because... I just didn't like it. I, didn't like, I don't like the, the dickering and, and you know, um, so I would send it just up there just to have it out of my control. Whatever happened, happened, you know, but then I started doing it for a living and I couldn't go that route no more, so. So we'll put a change on things, won't it? Yeah, and uh, like this year, you know, uh, the February sale treated me real good. Uh, the May sale, not so much, but. Well, like I told you before, I mean, that was my own fault because, uh, you know, I was uh, getting lures around and, you know, getting editing video and uh, doing other things and I wasn't concentrating on what the fur market was doing. All the signs were there and I didn't take care of business and I paid the price for it and I got no, it isn't, it really in the end isn't fur harvester's fault, it was my fault. And um, Well, didn't they pay you like a $250 average on your cats? <laughs> yeah, $17. <laughs> I got a seventeen dollar average on my cat. I'm yeah. surprised. But that was more than I got for my coon, so I can't really complain. I can't believe I figured you'd have been driving to Seattle, isn't it? Is that where yeah, they're going? Yeah, was Finland. I can't swim that far. Oh, Finland. Yeah. I do have Norwegian in my heritage, but I don't have a Viking boat, so Oh, good seventeen dollars. Oh. I couldn't believe it. I, I had to look I need to buy you like a beer or alcohol or something after that. They uh I, I looked at it like four times because I was thinking, there, I kept thinking there's got to be another one on there. <laughs> there wasn't a seventeen dollar. But holy cow! I don't know what happened. Good grief! So you're uh, you're telling me earlier because I think I find this interesting because I like uh, just different things that I don't know what to do and. Um, You, you made a how to catch leech leeches yeah. a video on that yeah that's what I well I used to trap leeches and do bait and all that I would trap during the winter time and you know in the fall and then deliver bait in the winter and now trap leeches in the spring um, 
And I just thought, you know, like on uh, Facebook and different groups, I see a lot of guys talking about catching leeches, how you do it, and they, it's always, you know, they're bending up a pie plate or something, and, and it, there's a trick to it later on in the summer when it gets hot, and, and there's different tricks to, you know, keep them commercially or, you know, keep them, you know, for a length of time, and, you know, I just thought guys would be interested in that, and, you know. And, I think that's cool. Yeah. I mean, do you... Do you is there reasons why trappers should want to have leeches, or is it just for fishing? Uh, mostly for fishing. Um, yeah, some 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 guys go and and find markets in like uh, the medical fields where they take the ones that suck your blood, like the ones I was trapping commercially. Like I catch about twenty one hundred pounds of leeches, you know, uh, during like a five month period from like ice ice out in like the end of March, early April, up to like July when they start slacking off you still could have caught enough to go fishing but i was doing it commercially and that isn't big numbers for like some of the guys in minnesota they catch big big numbers but um yeah well i mean johnny thorpe talks about using the leeches on his meat trapping have you ever used it meat trapping uh, I, for if you had a like there a lot of times for like a call lure a lot of guys are looking for something but that's no call. I mean, it would, it would definitely call something in. I mean, it might be possums. I don't know what they're calling, but I mean, there's nothing more rancid than a five-gallon bucket full of deadly chips. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I can take a lot, but I'll, they gag me because it gets like down in your throat and your nose, and you, it just stays there. You know, so I guarantee you, you'd get a digging reaction out of that, no doubt. But it's horrible. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've got some friends that's told me about some of the older. Uh, recipes for like otter and stuff and they use different parts of the leaves which I found fascinating because mm -hmm. they're like well you ought to try this and I'm like you know if leeches show up in Tennessee I'll think about it but but they're like uh, you know it, it might be different kinds of leeches because like the ones I was trapped leeches I was trapping was ribbon leeches and then you got like red horse leeches and um, we call them rubber leeches like you know they just ball up I mean they, they stretch out maybe eight, 10 inches, but then they're as big as a quarter when they fall in and they're just like jelly. But the ribbon leeches, they don't have a, like a blood sucker has the uh, beak on them to bust through your skin where the ribbon leech doesn't. And uh, they're more of a, a vegetarian feeding on stuff, but they're also uh, feed on mos mosquito larvae, you know, stuff like that. So, but they aren't a blood sucker. Now, and you were you're saying that you either did or you're going to maybe possibly on the minnows. Yeah, I'm thinking about putting one for minnows. You know how to store them and you know transport them. And is there a way you could teach me to catch them as I'm kayak fishing out of the kayak, or is it? Uh, probably not. Probably well, not. you could. I would use a minnow trap or something. You know, just hanging off the side. Yeah, have like a box trap, something like that. They got them drop nets, but you know, again, I was doing it commercially, and we weren't allowed to use those in Michigan. You know, we'd have like uh, for the Great Lakes, we'd have 125 foot nets. That was the biggest we could use. We depth didn't matter, but the 125 foot was as long as we could use. And then in the creeks, you could, I think it was uh, 70 feet or something. Most time it was like a 20 foot, 20 foot long by eight foot tall. So you kind of seined them then. Yeah. Okay. Or glass trapped them. You know, and then, then what I'd show in the video if I end up doing the bait one is uh, you know how to make like a personal seine with some you know with uh, some like uh, brails on it. Brails are like the sticks that hold the seine up. Okay. And uh, you know then the, somebody could do it by themselves. 
and uh, you know it's just like anything else I mean like with a trapping or anything you know uh, a lot of guys will go out and be able to jug minnows but you know I've did this my whole life and there's things you learn by doing it for a living that got a guy that just in you know going out catching them to go fishing isn't seeing you know I mean I've killed a, I've killed bait in every way that you could possibly kill bait <laughs> you know? and I know you know but so what, what did you what did you do this year season wise what what did um did you start michigan michigan it was like you mean numbers wise it was like 285 coon um no not numbers well i mean you can say that but well, i mean but uh i started in michigan and did pretty good um how quick did the winter get you there for that time it come real quick i mean uh because I was trapping the coon, I thought I'd have time to switch over to the rats, and we didn't have any rats really to trap. You know, I'll, you know, like normal. You told me that lake though that was really good rats you yeah. was trapping on. Yeah, they uh, yeah down to Tawas Lake, down in Tawas. I was going to trap down there and didn't end up getting there. You just, I mean, you were just talking about the muskrat hunts everywhere. Yeah, they 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 were everywhere. It's a lot of that wild rice in there, and. Uh, there's all there's tons of rat houses there, but I you know I was going to Louisiana, so I couldn't go out there and trap them in the winter time. That'd have probably been the smart play as many rats as was in there. Mm-hmm. But so when you're, what what do you do when you? I, I guess by, because you know I got hit with ice this year, which I'm not used to, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Except for when the temperature got down to five to zero degrees, which we're definitely not used to. Yeah. It didn't really hurt the coon because it was so early down there where we were at. When you're when you start your coon trapping and you're doing kind of your normal thing, which is DPs, is that what you're doing? Yeah. DPs and two twenties mostly. What happens when that temperature really shifts up north? Does it get because when I was in Iowa, it seemed to turn it on. Um, it seems like you'll have to get down as long as you as long as you can find open water where them coons can get out and drink. Um, more than a, having a food source, as long as they can get to the water, it seems like they'll keep moving, um, even in the real cold temperatures. But they don't move a lot. Um, we had I had one stretch uh, river on the Asabo River that stays open year round, and I went down there. We set traps and. Um, you know, them coon weren't moving every night. I mean, you you know, but if you, you was you know, we were using conibers, so you didn't have to check them every day. But if you you know run them every three days or something, I mean, you would you know do good. But but they they I mean, it would be like minus ten zero, and them coon were still moving. And uh, but the open water was the key. But in the fall, like last year when it switched, if you move down into like where we got are at, there's cedar swamps there, and you want to move down into that denser stuff. Cause they're not up there in them oaks no more, you know. Cause usually if it's getting that cold, we start getting some snow. But it's probably different in every part of the country, where you know. But them coon are always going to head to some denning area when mm-hmm. it starts getting cold, even if they're not going to totally den up. Cause I've never been anywhere too long where I wasn't moving somewhere else when it started getting. But I, I remember being shocked when I went to Iowa. It was like 80 degrees during the day, 75. Coon weren't moving, corn was still yeah. in the field. They started cutting corn and it wasn't about eight days later we started getting shelf ice and that's when those trails just went crazy. Yeah. But I didn't get to stay much past that and I don't know what it did. But 
where, where I'm at, we don't have a lot of the crops like you were talking about out there with the trails and stuff. So you're more more or less just sitting on location and waiting on them. Yes, um, like yeah. on the bigger rivers, the one river I trap, there's like uh, coming out of the oak ridges down onto the river, there's like ravines that come down in there and you just go to the bottom of them ravines and you know put in two DPs or two 220s, go to the next one, go to the next one. Or if you you know find like a sandbar where them coon will be working on that sandbar on that water's edge, you know, stuff like that. Are you using like stabilizers or sticks or how are you, what's your system on the 220s? Uh, just uh, dig a hole far enough, uh, just about a little bit smaller than the size of the trap. And then uh, it's far enough back where that coon don't think he can reach in or he'll have, you know, he'll be setting it off with the reaching in. And then just put your bait or lure back in there, whatever you're gonna use. Um, put the 220 in front of it and just, you know, take it. What I like to use is use a couple of re-rods and stick them real heavy down in, you know, through each spring and then just wire it off. Because unlike on that river, if them people are going up and down the river and say that coon flips over, gets flipped over, he, they can see that white on against that the back backdrop because mm -hmm. it's dark. They'll see that coon up there, but if you got that coon half in that hole where he can't get out, he's just died in that hole, and just that black is sticking out, it matches the background, and they won't see it with the boats going up and down. So you, what you're describing is kind of like that the old outlaw set from yeah. Krause. Yeah. Okay, cool. And the DPs, are what, what kind are you using? Uh, freedom. I was using, had used the Duke, but I like uh, that Freedom brand too. I'm, I so you're, used, you're going with the two. I'm, I'm at this show. I, I brought every Duke DP I own. I'm selling every one. I'm buying the, the twos, Freedom brand two. So I used them down in Louisiana last year, and you can just hair trigger set them like I like, and um, you know, Quay did a real good job designing that that uh, dog on that, and I really I like them. I really do. So you're selling your your other DPs tomorrow? You said for three dollars a piece. If if, there, if anybody that hears this is at that show and can bring this recording there, fine. <laughs> 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 Otherwise, they're going to go for this, more. <laughs> this will be next week, so you're well, safe. Yeah. You can say whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, the coupon expired. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I mean I, that. That is is that popular using that outlaw set in Michigan? I mean, because that that's not too. I, some guys use it. Um, the reason I liked it was because it's so fast to set. You know, can, can you dig in lot, your soul? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of sand ground. Okay, and uh, you can. I mean, it's not as fast as putting in a DP, but um, DPs you have to check every day where where that's a lethal set. So you know you don't have to check it every day. So. You know, if you can, you know, run a two, three day, you know, check, you know, you, you're checking more traps and making more money or whatever. I was running a coon line one time and the, where I was at, I mean, I'm from the mountains of Tennessee and, and the, the soil was soft or something and whenever it would flood, it would dig out like two more feet of this creek and I'd go under the bridge and it was like 50 feet down to the water and it was dark water and you don't know if the trap is set off or it's snapped or something's under the water. So every day you climb all the way down there to see if you had a whatever it was. And I got so frustrated. I mean, 
I've got a lazy streak. That's why you, you don't never set them sets because after time you'll get lazy and quit checking them as good as you'll, you'll look, you'll know if I ain't got on, then you're checking them out the car window. <laughs> well, that, that's what I went to, but I, I started using uh, 280s and 330s in front of the hole. Then it was either, it was it was obvious, I could see the trap through the binos. <laughs> I don't think it was as effective as the foothold trap. But it, I think it did allow me to extend the line, and it probably equaled out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was like a lazy man's way. And it worked <laughs> really good until the, the ice froze it in, mm -hmm. because me being from Tennessee, I, wouldn't, I didn't think it could do that in like yeah. two days. Yeah. And then I'm down there with, with live traps trying to break ice and not get caught. Now, that's what should have been on video, because <laughs> that was something else. Yeah, that ice, that ice is no fun. A lot, of, a lot of times when you're rat trapping up there, and uh, you really got to watch the weather up up home, because uh, you know you're out there in the marshes and that'll freeze up. You get down to like you know 18, 19 degrees, or even in the 20s, you know sometimes it'll freeze up. And uh, so I, I know exactly what you're saying. It ain't no fun with that ice. Well, one thing you were saying about the the Freedom Brand twos, that was the the trigger on that thing is what to me was was so amazing. I don't know if if the guys at QSR were that good or that lucky. Yeah, I think uh, Quay, I think Quay was probably that good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's an engineer, and um, that's when I had them down in Louisiana, and I called up you know um, F and T and told them, don't change nothing. This thing's perfect. I mean, it just sets hair trigger. And, is you can get like an eighth of an inch. Yeah, yeah. I was showing some guys at the a guy at the convention today. He was he bought two of them, and he fought. He'd watch my coon video and uh, where I filed down the, the dukes and get them so you can get them air trigger and. Uh, I told he said well, I bought a couple of these. I didn't try them. I took that and showed them. He said, man, said, that's awesome. And uh, it is because I'm every 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 ounce of pressure that you that that coon doesn't have to pull up i mean mm -hmm. that just may put puts it in the back of your truck easier when i was doing all that night vision footage the first coon that i caught he went to one trap these are grizzes um, he went to one trap he completely cleaned out the trap and i'm watching this on film and i'm like that is amazing. That trigger was pretty hair trigger, mm -hmm. and and he just was he wasn't even looking at it after a while. He was still pulling out bait and eating it, and then he went to the other one and he got caught after he had both hands and hands in there twice. Mm -hmm. So it's like almost like the very last crumb. He was <laughs> like you know trying to whisk the bowl yeah. and hit the trigger, and I'm like, holy cow, is that amazing? <laughs> yeah. Just how nimble they were. Yeah. It, was, it was it was a trip. When you had them on there, would them coons just sit in one spot when they were working that trap? Would they just sit like on their back feet in one spot and eat out of that trap, or would they go all the way around that trap? They would. Uh, they would almost squat on their hunches. Once they down to Louisiana, they got a lot of that sand down there in some spots, and I would. That's what they did down there. I always thought that they would like circle that trap and work in it, you know. But that's a. You'd see the two two back foot coon track where you could see it and they just sat right there mm -hmm. and it, I mean there was no other you know. Now they would work around it when they were smelling it. Mm -hmm. They would uh, 
they would definitely circle it, circle it and, and run their nose up to it, look into it. And, and But when they started working the trapper, especially once they got the first bait out, mm -hmm. they just sat down like they're at a dinner table. Mm -hmm. yes. and, but to see a coon with both hands in there, plugging in his mouth, <laughs> and he's not even looking at the trap. It's not like, you know, he knows that this is something yeah. that can grab him. It's kind of like, I wonder what's going on up in that tree. <laughs> you know, and it was just, uh, they must have this tremendous feeling to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so what else did you do in Michigan? Do you do land trapping up there? Um, not very much this year. Um, it froze up so early, I ended up heading down to Louisiana. Now, how long were you down there? Um, I think I got down there like January 6th or 7th to like March 15th, something like that. Forever. My wife said it was forever. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to get like an immigration card after Just a while? while. Just a while. You know, but uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, I mean, Norm come by and see me. Somebody else was supposed to come by for crawfish. They never showed up. Yeah. Got yeah. a better offer. I don't know who that SOB was. <laughs> but, yeah, we, but it was a lot of fun down there this year. You know, when Norm came down, we went and seen some stuff like the Bonnie and Clyde, you know, where they got gunned down. See, I never knew that was in Louisiana. I, I didn't either. And I, I drove right by that monument, but it, I didn't know that. I, I, when, I, when I'm going down the road, I'm looking for, you know, I mean, beaver or coon, I'm not looking I for. I thought that'd be like in Illinois or yeah. somewhere outside of Chicago. I never knew it was yeah. all the way down there. Yeah, yeah, you're just, just on the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It was a good ambush today. Well, I heard some interesting things about your camp. <laughs> so Norm, went, Norm and his wife wouldn't stay there. <laughs> <laughs> They said that you had a five-star lodge you were staying in. Oh, it was in. nice. The roof was falling in. And it wasn't even that bad up until the toilet quit working. <laughs> <laughs> and then the five-gallon bucket came out. So that's when they decided they didn't want to stay there. <laughs> Jen didn't want to part of the five-gallon no, bucket. No, I think Norma would have, but Jen, that was, that was beyond what she wanted to deal with. Now, does it have heat or electricity? It had, uh, had a stove in it. Um, but Lake Louisiana is like the rest of the country. When you get cold air in the wintertime, it's generally coming out of the north. Well, the, the didn't have an upspout on the, the, the stove, went, the, the pipe went through the wall, pointed to the north. But it didn't have an upspout, and I wanted to put one on there, and the guy said, no, I don't want one on there, for whatever reason, on this place. So I had to have it, leave it like that. So every time the wind would blow, it would blow right into that pipe and blow the smoke right out the <laughs> front of the stove. <laughs> but that was your heat source? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had to block off one bedroom where the roof had fell in. We took a piece of plywood and, block and screwed it, the door, plywood right over the door because it stunk so bad from the mold in there and stuff. Mm. But, um, but it didn't cost nothing. You know, and when you're going down there trying to make money, if you can find a place to stay for absolutely free, you know, and, and when that park I stayed in, you know, like I said, the stove, I mean, everything I had smelled like smoke, you know, um, but, it, you know, I made it through and, you know, I saved three, four, five hundred bucks a month because of that. 
And I, I, I tried to get my wife to come down there this year. On, she's, I, she's seeing pictures on Facebook. Of it. She said, there is absolutely no way I'm coming down there. <laughs> she said, I've never even seen any place like that. <laughs> that almost sounds like the slave shack with me yeah. Frank Stadium. We didn't have yeah. no stove, no electricity, no nothing. I think this was a step up from the slave shack from what I, you know, Frank's told me about. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, man. That, that was one of those experiences that, it, you know, like 20 years, or I guess now it'd be 10, 15 years ago, it's it's a fond memory. There was yeah. nothing fond about that when we were going through it. No. They, uh, that's what I, after that experience, I told Norm, I says, well, maybe, you know, we get two, three guys like me and Norm and this, you know, uh, kid out of Mississippi, Brandon, he wanted to, um, go with us and I said you know if you get two three guys that you know pay chip in a couple hundred bucks a month and uh, you know you could get a decent place to stay you know and you, you know and it isn't gonna break you it's just when you're out of state trapping you guys you know pay five hundred dollars a month by yourself and then electricity mm -hmm. and you know so basically you got a second house payment and all the same bills you know mm -hmm. uh, and if you got to do it fine but if you get you know a group of core guys to do that you could go different directions yeah. You know, and, and and I mean it would be awesome because I mean whoever caught the most, I mean could rag on the other ones. I mean, can you imagine how much fun we could have? I mean, it'd be awesome. We do it every year in Texas. I would absolutely kill myself to not ever let Norm beat me. <laughs> yeah, you would not have to worry about that. The last time I said that, it cost me twenty dollars. <laughs> and if you want to see that, you can see it on Trapping TV. <laughs> I wish they would have showed when I was when I was making fun of his set, because <laughs> I'm looking at his set when he's putting that pipe in. I'm like, Norm, that ain't gonna work. He goes, it'll work. And I'm like, it ain't gonna work. He goes, why don't you think so? And I told him why. And he goes, I'm gonna stick with it. And I said, well, I'm gonna go there and put this, and I bet you twenty dollars. And he goes, twenty dollars. I said, put your money where your mouth is. And the camera's running, but they, for some reason, wasn't on there. So I kind of shamed him into do it, then I lost. <laughs> but I, I learned, I mean, that, that was, because uh, he was explained to me how he was using them, and I was just like, yeah, I don't think so. And, you know, after that time, I went out and used those pipes the same way, and I was amazed. No, yeah, yeah, them things are really nice. I, I caught a lot of beer this year using them pipes. And uh, yeah, I really liked them. Yeah. And then, I wonder if Norm's bringing any. I don't know. I know the cost is. It it, it is at the cost of metal is so insane because he would he made the ones we used in Texas or some of them I had, I had my ones were, and you look at it it's such a simple thing. 32 or 34 inches of smooth rod, it's not expensive. You see that little piece of pipe, mm -hmm. not expensive. To get enough material to do a dozen of them. Well, he needs to get it from wherever the guys making the DPs are because the price of DPs coming down, so they must be getting a good deal on the metal, so. Good idea. <laughs> there you go. Let me give you a hug. <laughs> to talk to some guys tomorrow. No, I just want the tube. Yeah. Nothing else but the tube. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't put that on there. <laughs> that is a great idea. Have you told him that yet? Or just come to your head? Yeah, just come to me. 
Cool. The wind blew on one side and just kind of <laughs> rattled it around. That's a, are, are most DP prices coming down? I haven't really yeah, paid attention. They seem to be. More, yeah. more, more people get into it just like anything else, you know, it forces the market down. That's, mm -hmm. that's what's good about the free market system. Unless you're a DP guy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So how was the, uh, I, I did I did hear a story that you had, uh, you had some trouble with a local cuisine down there. You ate too much <laughs> of something one time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That didn't go over good. If, if you're out of state trapping, make, and you're having stomach problems and make sure that you're taking the right medications that stops you up and doesn't make you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you needed stopper upper yeah. instead of going. Then you had to get it to yeah. go after yeah. you stopped it yeah. up. It was a it was a bad <laughs> ordeal. Because <laughs> if you go into the Dollar General and you start asking them for like medical advice, <laughs> <laughs> you get what you pay. You for. got what you paid for. Oh, that's that's classic right there. Well, how was it? How was the overall season in Louisiana? What was the weather like down there this year? Was it as cold as it was? It, it was? Um. Yeah, they had snow and we got ice three times down there. Um, I broke ice. I I tried uh, uh, along on that one culvert. You know, I had to chop maybe any place that there was d dead water, which is a lot down there. You know, there'd be a quarter to half inch of ice, and I never saw that down there before. Um, All the years I was going in there, I never saw it. Yeah, I'm going around, you know, because I'm like a you know northerner, and I'm looking for air bubbles everywhere, you know, and there ain't no air bubbles. I'm thinking. I know something's going through these culverts. I know, and but them things that, that beaver, otter, everything just shuts right down down mm -hmm. there. When it gets cold, they they just don't know how to handle it. And under, I never seen any air bubbles under that ice. Well, because I was like out cruising looking. Cause I thought, man, I'm gonna rip some of them spots where I couldn't really see the, the defined area to catch anything or something or had troubles and. I thought, man, I'm gonna tear them up now. And there was no air bubbles. Well, see, that's <laughs> the difference between a northern and a southerner. <laughs> When something like that happens, we just kind of lay low yeah. and just think about it a while. Because yeah. I really think a beaver and otter that probably sees that maybe once every 10 years, and they come out and they hit their head on something that's supposed to be soft, yeah. they go right back to where they came from. It, down there, though, it doesn't, the, the, it doesn't seem that cold. It, it slows them down a little bit. The cats and the coyotes don't seem to stop as much as like everything else. Because when we got that snow, I went around and took... Uh, and was looking for cat tracks and like uh, these in trails and stuff and uh, I found some pretty good trails that I you know probably wouldn't have set a trap on if I had that snow in the fall fell because I mean you could there you know there's a cat track right walking down you know this little, little bitty trail and um, they weren't walking down them creeks <laughs> like they were no, on no. first ice up home I mean them cats and coyotes and fox are everywhere on them ponds but not down there yeah, that's what I remember from Alaska, go out on those marshes, and you couldn't find a, a fox track anywhere on the bank. They were all on the water. Yeah, that's how they were up home, too. But it's just like me. You're going to have a hard time getting me to walk <laughs> on ice because I know it's not supposed to be there. Yeah. No. <laughs> what did you, any, th any new things you've learned or whatever while you were in Louisiana this year? Um, yeah, I, I kind of geared more towards trying to get away from not that I didn't set some, because I mean, you're just gonna, you're forced to set 330s and pinch points. I couldn't pass one off, it just in my DNA to set them. 
but I tried to set more um, like blind sets with footholds and stuff like that. And, and my my the size of my otter went up. You know, like I told you before. I mean, my the size of my otter went up because I was catching them bigger males that were avoiding them three thirties. Mm -hmm. And um, see, I, told, I don't think people believe you till they see it themselves. I got it on video where where I had a trap before there's no trap there and there's sand and I, it shows where that otter got out of the water in the sand and went around that spot where I used to set a set of three thirty. They went right around it. And um but there's I mean any anywhere that you put you can put a three thirty that's knee deep or under, I mean you can put a leg hold in, you know. Like How you said that it knee deep? Well me and Norm got them stabilizers and you know, the, and they, for them, uh, it's only for the TS-85s right now, but um, you just put it down maybe about, the trap down about that far, where that beaver otter go right over the top of it. We're in audio mode, you can't, oh. see, they can't see your hands. <laughs> well, that, you put it down maybe about, you stick it in the bottom, it's got like legs on it, just like a... Like a 330 like, like, thing? Yeah, basically the same thing. But you just you'll stick it down so your trap's only maybe four or five inches underwater because that animal will be cruising across the top of the water, and um, when he he'll when he hits that trap, he'll step on it. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tore him up like that. You know, or you can you know you can build them sets up. It can't be real super fast, but you can take a shovel and you know build it up and you know uh, just like they used to do for muskrats in the olden days you know in the muskrat runs for the 110s they'd build they'd build up them runways and put a have a little hump there when that rat went over they put their trap right on top of that hump and they catch them i think it didn't like the, the old miranda videos they show the muskrats next to the bank and the bridge embankment and the water would be up to their waist and they got the little metal thing and they slide it up to the top of the water. Yeah. I thought they were on drugs. That really works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think in uh, Kyle Katz's video he does that, some does that same thing, but he used black tubing. So I, I could see the, the 110s. I, did, I just always thought that was a, you know, a once in a lifetime catch. No. Well. <laughs> huh. I got something to play with. Yeah. But just using them, them uh, footholds down there, I mean, like I said, the, the otter size went up, and the bigger the otter, the more money they're worth generally. And so, but I know, I know for a fact I caught otters that I never would have caught without using footholds. And like I say, I mean, every every single spot, you know, you can't set them, but the spots I could, I did. And you know, like them double the riffle sets, like you talked about, you know, setting mm -hmm. the, t you know, the. Uh, the traps you use, CDRs, CDRs and uh, yeah, I was using TS-85s, but same concept. Now, were you drowned in the otter, or were you just letting them run around? If if there was a pool under that where I could run it to, I would. But otherwise, I would just take a, a wolf fang and drive it right down up on the bank, and um, just just leave them there for me to come back to. That was the only thing since I started playing with that technique. Most of the places I've used it, it's you know, it's on private ground or it's mm -hmm. away from the road and road trapping. I've wondered how how much attention that would get with an otter going nuts. Not, not a lot because until you walk right down there on them, generally they're like you know hugging that bank. Because I didn't know how it would work either, but they they they're not like a 
you know, a coyote, when you walk up there, a lot of times they start bouncing around and stuff. They just kind of lay there and, you know, and when you get real close to them, they'll start pulling away. But if you're just, when you drive up there, you're generally just laying there, or laying in the water. Cool deal. But, but, and uh, a lot of guys worry about, you know, doing that, you know, twit, they'll twit, you know, twist on their feet and stuff, but them otters got a tough feet. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they got one of the toughest feet in the business. Well, the only, the only thing that I've learned about that is when I'm when I started really using the footholds on the otter is to stay away from the offsets unless yeah. it was a tremendously strong trap yeah because if you caught them low mm-hmm. yeah just the shape of their foot yeah and they are powerful oh they're powerful there ain't they ain't nothing but muscle like me and you well, we we <laughs> had, we called a, a, a towards I mean like the second or last day the students were down there in Texas this year and we caught an armadillo in a snare. And we've done killed so many of them things. And they ain't hurt nothing. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I'm like, okay, this is your lucky day. I'm going to let you go. Well, the snare, you know how they got those ribs. It was in between the two ribs. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get the cable cutter in there. And I didn't want to cut the cable and it hurt the thing later. Mm-hmm. So, as, as big and as strong as I think I am, <laughs> That armadillo kicked my butt yeah. trying to pull it out of its hole. <laughs> yeah. it, it, I had to dig and pull, and then I had to have help, and I just couldn't believe that. But I still don't think, because the few times I've had to turn loose otter, that was the most mischievous bulldog and animal I've ever dealt with. Yeah, yeah I never turned one loose before. Well, we used, in Tennessee, on the eastern side of the state, they used to be, you couldn't, you couldn't keep them. Mm-hmm. And then in the summer, you wouldn't want to keep them. Yeah. And then being the overnight that I was, you know, conna bears were like for sissies or something. <laughs> and you had to use footholds, so I was using nothing but footholds. And then when you had the otter, it was, I mean, mm-hmm. if you can imagine an, eight, an 18 foot chain with an otter. Yeah. They got 36 feet. My dog would not even get out of the truck after <laughs> the second one. Hmm. I mean, it just wouldn't do it. So how did you, uh, on your trails, were you snaring the, the cats? Uh, on them trails, I was just using uh, a number two bridger with a number three pan and uh, just setting. a big pan, Jeff. <laughs> I know. Whoa, not say a that big again. pan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say not that a, again. Not a big pan, uh, like a medium size. Oh, an expanded pan. So yes, you. We're you're... getting to you, man. We're getting <laughs> to you. One blind sets they work real good. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm not as a confident, <laughs> so um, no. But they were good. I mean, I, but I was using number two with a number three pan on a, on the bridger, and just with a you know a step over stick, and I mean they were just tight trails, and it, it worked real good. Um, I, I think I, I, that's another one of those sets when um, some guys came down from Illinois and was going over some trapping stuff and. And once we got to the blind set part of it, and I was just showing how easy it was. Mm-hmm. And I think on all animals, if you take anything out from in front of them, I just think you catch more. Oh, yeah. But it's I, but just like you said, you don't have faith in it yeah. till you really do it a whole lot. Yeah. Well, I'd watch that uh, J.C. Connors. Uh, when I had them two Swedish guys come over, which that was a whole interesting thing in itself. But... Um, they had bought JC. They bought like three hundred dollars worth of videos, and we were watching them. And um, oh, that's right. <laughs> that's had, not how Clint does it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I was ready. I was, I was ready to pull my hair out over that. I told him. I told them guys. I says, uh, <laughs> we can get Clint right on the phone right now if that you want to. He'll just tell you to shut up. <laughs> But they bought J.C. Connors' uh, video, and I was watching. And I'll tell you that they got me with, like experimenting with some sets. I had some ideas. You know what he did was perfect, but I had some ideas for that country down there, and you know that's kind of why I was playing around with it. And I really I like that video. It was a pretty good video, and there's not a lot of blind set videos out. Mm -hmm. You know. No, there, it, there's there's really, and it it's one of those things, especially uh, when I get. When I get to talk to the really, not so much now because they're not around anymore, but 15 years ago when I got to talk to the really older trappers mm -hmm. who were in their 80s, yeah. most of them relied heavily on the blind set. And, you know, and I remember them telling me that and I would just want to blow over it. Okay, how did you make a dirt hole? How did you do mm -hmm. this? How did you do that? And the more of them I talked to, especially when it came to raccoon, they didn't understand why anybody would use bait or lure, mm -hmm. and they wouldn't understand why you would dig a hole. Well, and it just makes more sense that if you can set a trap where the animal is naturally going, rather than have to, even if you're getting to only to approach your set from a foot away, you still got to get him to step off of where he wants is naturally mm -hmm. going. So if you can catch him where he's naturally going, you know that's way better, but oh, I agree, 100%. But, but but trying to get that, you know, find them spots, you know, you got, you know, it's a lifetime thing. I mean, you just got to get out there and do it, and you know, sometimes you're a winner, sometimes you're not, but you'll you'll start gathering them spots up. Most of them that, that when I got to talking to, they they had such a simple system, and most of them were using um, the smaller top plates because they were after coon or mink. Uh -huh. And they would use the smaller tie plates or they'd use two window weights, mm. you know, which I don't know if you can find those anymore. Yeah, I got a bunch down in Louisiana this year. I, I got a whole, a whole bunch of them, about 25 of them. And they'd have like five foot of chain and they, they would, when they would go down to a creek, they'd have five or six of them in their bucket. Mm. And they'd go, well, a coon would walk up next to here and they'd put a trap. A coon yeah. would be on the high bank and they'd just kind of put it in the well, grass. Were they using that for like a drag? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a, it was just a really fast thing, and and they and what what was very clear, unless you had one massive trail, they would look at the situation and go, okay, Coon will come here, or he would be over here, or he'd be up here. So they just set all three of them really quick, yeah. and the energy they would expend doing that was zero. Yeah. I mean, really, it was. They up by us, they didn't use those. They. Uh, they used to use, you know, them, them little fox drags they used to sell. Mm -hmm. That them guys would use up by us would use those because if you found a good uh, blind set mink spot, you they wouldn't want a coon tearing that all up because it would be good for years unless they got tore apart. So they would use them drags because the, the mink would just fall down into the creek and drown, where the coon would you know go off and get tangled up and wouldn't tear the spot up. So, mm -hmm. but, but them weights would work were good. Yeah, it was. The only, the, another thing that, that I found interesting is several of them, they trap coon with corn in the water and they would put it in a blind set situation hmm. and they would drop a handful of corn because our water is crystal clear, they would drop a handful of that water right on top of the trap pan and over the trap. 
But, but if they do that, that would, would that wouldn't even that wouldn't be a blindside anymore. No, no, they'd set it up in the same way. But oh. they, but a couple of them would have these little bags, and they would come huh. and they just on every one huh. they would drop this corn right huh. on top of it. It's in the trail. They were making him go anywhere. Oh, okay. Or they was right up next to the bank, uh -huh. and they would throw it in there. Huh. And uh, not the best thing to do when you have uh, high duck populations later <laughs> in the winter. Oh, if you less like, in there. If you like duck or not. <laughs> Game board may not appreciate it, no. but it does work. Yeah, the blind set is to me is one of the most underutilized. Oh, it does The thing there is. Yeah. And I think a lot of it just has to do with um, confidence. And people want. And I always, when I have students, I may have said this before. I can always have find a trail with tracks and then go, how are we going to catch this animal? And then they'll look up and down and they'll go, you know, two feet off of it and put this set in. Yeah. And I'm like going, but the animal's right here. Well, yeah, but I'm putting the set right here. No, no, no. The animal's <laughs> right here. Yeah. Why would you try to get him to do something different? Well, it seems like a lot of times, like up home, we'll have like a sand blow on the federal ground. and. Where you'd set is off of the, set off the edges of that sand blow, and that's just like the location that you, in your mind, I would set. But if you were smart, where you'd go back is and find where them coyotes are coming. Say them coyotes are coming to them sand blows, you know, and try and blind set them coming in. Mm -hmm. um, up there, it's not it's it's not really it's a baited set, but we'll go take a salmon carcass, and we got a lot of old uh, fire berms up there. Or uh, them horse trails, and what you do you is mean like a fire break. Is that what you're yeah, like about? they're like you know like them horse trails, like they're like worn down in. Well, they got them okay. for fires up there, where they'll take and turn that earth over. And what you do is kind of walk off the road a little ways, dig a hole, bury a set. Like we use salmon carcasses, and what we'll do is blind set them. So it's not a real blind set because they're coming where you want. But them up there, them coyotes, they'll they'll come one time and dig that up, and then they ain't coming back. If they do come back, it's never when you're going to be there. So what you do is just blind set that that fire berm or that horse trail on both sides of it, and that works real good up there. But it, it's a blind set, but it's not. Well, that's. Um and you use big pans for that, so I do. Big. I'm gonna have to like put something on Wolfman. Jeff Dunlap now uses big pans for blind size. For I won't say that. So yeah, I mean, you know, what you're describing is a lot of the uh, the guys that are really heavy into cow control. They use, and I do this a lot. I use sets that most people put traps at is nothing but a decoy. To blind set. Yeah. I don't even hardly ever put a trap up there. Mm -hmm. That's not its purpose. Yeah. And then you, because the closer that animal gets to that, it seems like he gets more squirrely. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to catch him 10 feet off or 15 feet off than it is at, you know, 12 inches. Yeah. And, and a lot of the old government, the, the old manuals, they talked about that a lot. Did they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never read any of those before. And they would call them decoy sets. Hmm. You know, they would use, especially, you know, if you get out west, you have a, in a cow pasture in that sage, you'll you'll have this, this trail running down. Well, they'll put a set, say, like in the middle somewhere, 
and they'll blindset three or four times on both sides. Well, the coyotes are, you know, getting their nerves up mm -hmm. and they're getting popped and they're getting dragged off. Yeah. Now you've got all this noise and you still have the smell and you mm -hmm. have the trail. And it's not easy for a cow to move around that sage. So no. the cow trail is the place to be. Yeah. I mean, it's in, in that location, that's genius. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely. They're definitely killer sets. I know, like this year, I'll be. With the big pants. With the big pants. <laughs> <laughs> with the big, big pants. But I'll be, I'll be doing that more of that this year. You know, just setting more than blind sets and stuff, messing around with it. It's interesting. It's something different. You know, it's something I'm not used to. And well, one thing that that I think, especially with younger trappers, if they would do it, is. Um, it's easier to catch anything in a blind set in a trail with a foothold yeah. than it is to do something out of set. And then, you know, your trap placement's not that important like it is on a set. So if a gray fox comes down the trail, you catch it. If a cat comes down the trail, you catch it. If it's a coyote, you don't ever know what it is, and that's what's fun. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of them spots are, you know, just predator highways. I mean, like you're saying, everything comes down through them. Mm -hmm. And it, and it seems like there's waves of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, you definitely want to run pay attention and stuff like that. But uh, before we close, I've, I've got, I've, I came across a quote <laughs> that uh, I can't get out of my mind. I'm trying to figure out how to do this in the demo Saturday. Talk about it. I don't, I don't even, I don't know what you're going to say, but it's not sounding good. As <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's pretty, it's pretty cool, actually. It's, uh, and I don't know who said the quote, but I've, I've said it, I've read it a couple times, and, and all of a sudden, here about a week ago, it really stuck in my mind. And it says, people don't see, see, people don't, yeah, I'll bring it up and I can't even remember what it is. Um, <laughs> People don't observe things as they are, they observe things as they are. Yep. And when you think about that in the form of trapping, it, it, it's, to me it's pretty profound. Because you know, if you're a dirt hole guy, you want to see everything in a dirt hole. Or if you're a back setter, you want to see everything in the back set. Or if you're you know, 330 guy, you want to see everything in the, the view of 330 yeah. and you make these decisions. Not from what the the what you really observe, yeah. but what you want it to be. But the thing is, is if if you look at it, um, you only have your personal experience of really to draw from. And the thing is, is like where I'm at as a trapper now. I thought that I was here five years ago, you know. But the thing is, is as you're learning, you think. The further you get, you realize you, you really didn't know. You, you don't. And you know, still you don't. don't. You don't know nothing. You mm -hmm. know? And because um, I, I was like real excited about that. You know, setting. I got down there and I was just, you know, I was just like a little kid out there trapping. You know, setting them footholds for otter and you know. And it, was, it was just an awesome time. I, you know, and I did some other experimental sets. Some worked, some didn't. You know, mm -hmm. and, you know. Yeah. That's what I like doing. Just. You got to, you know, when you're doing for, trapping for money, you got to be out there pounding it. And, but so I just said this year I'm taking the time and I'm going to do what I, this stuff. I, you know, I'm, I'll make a set here or there that's a weirdo set and we'll let's see what happens. And, you know, I mean, I try that with lure stuff. I mean, I might take and buy some old spice and throw it down in the hole and just see, just see what happens. I want to see how they react, you know. And, 
that's the fun thing about trapping, just trying to learn something that maybe somebody somebody else hasn't thought of, or you know, an angle, you know, that you can you know catch more fur. Or, well, I'll tell you one perfume that's really good on cats. Hmm. Really good. Cat collector. No, 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 no. This this may be better than cat collector, but the the problem is, it's probably about one hundred twenty dollars an ounce. The real catnip. Uh, no, it's Chanel Number no. Five perfume. Hmm. Not the toilet water, but perfume. Hmm. And, it seems like you told me that before. And Albert, but it's it's crazy expensive. Hmm. You don't want to wear it around a house cat. And for seventeen dollar cats, I can't afford to. No, not for <laughs> not for that. And it only lasts it only lasts at a set for about two days. Hmm. But by God, if one comes by, hmm. they will maul that set. Hmm. I mean, it's uh, if I was doing ADC work and I was getting paid a hundred dollars for feral cats, I mean. Chanel number five would be what I'd be So it's using. not just bobcats, it's, a, any, it's a, any felines. Um. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Albert called me like twice before Texas. Now, my daughter's got this stuff, and it was, the, uh, you know, the Chanel number five that you, that most time you just like go to a department store, it's not the real perfume, which mm -hmm. doesn't have the real musk in it. Mm -hmm. It's 30, 40 bucks. I'm yeah. like, Albert, that's not it. I've yeah. tried it. It doesn't, it doesn't mm -hmm. work. And anyway, he got one, and he was like, man, that's expensive. <laughs> and I said, wait till you go use it, because you're going to smell like a French prostitute for days. Because yeah. <laughs> it's a fine mist, and you do. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, you're like going, what in the world? Because some of them said you're putting that 100 Fifty dollar perfume on, no cats coming by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And some old timer told me that, and I was like, I don't know. But then I tried it, and then it, uh, yeah, it. There, there's all kind of crazy stuff. I remember, I'm what about ten years ago, everybody was into the burnt polo grass thing. Mm -hmm. I saw in several. Yeah. I never had no luck with that. No. No, I remember the first time I seen that. I was like, what is that? <laughs> But, but, you know, anytime that somebody, I think the biggest uh, the biggest thing to learn in is really trying to observe what's actually going on instead of trying to put us, um, you, know, you know, the biggest thing is, well, I'm coyote trapping. My trap's dug up. I set it for coyote. I'm expecting coyote. Therefore, coyote dug up trap. Yeah. Well, no, probably not. Well, I saw coyote tracks there. I don't mean the trap wasn't dug up before the coyote stepped in the edge of the pattern. Yeah, I uh, I get I have a even even my walk up to a set and I'm say I got a fox set and it's flipped over because I was in a hurry and I did didn't bet it good enough like it should have been or whatever and a coon flipped it over. So you should have used a big pan. That's what I should have done, but <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I I could only go so far in one year. <laughs> you know <laughs> you had to keep dragging me towards them. See, but they. Uh, but I, I get that same thing still, even though I know in my mind my heart still says that a fox was there. You know, because you set a fox yeah, trap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it, it's easy. It's easy trap to get into, and some guys you're never going to convince them. Mm -mm. You know, it's just they have to learn. You know, sooner or later they'll make a set. It'll be flipped over like that, and there'll be coon tracks. It'll be wet clay or something, and, and all that's there is coon tracks, and the, you know, and it, it just has to click. Some things, you know, just some things you can't teach somebody. They just have to experience it themselves. 
a lot of the guys that have really made a living doing year-round coyote stuff, it's it. When uh, you, you're talking, it, it everybody's perception is pretty much the same, and it's the same as mine is. And I'm not near as a level trapper as some of the guys I've talked to. Is uh, if a coyote thinks something is up, he just leaves. Yeah. He's not going to dig the trap up. He's not going to flip it over. He's not going to play with it. Yeah. If something's not right, he just leaves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's tracks there. Then you got coons and skunks and everything else coming by. Yeah. Yeah, there's either tracks and just, you know, saying that's what it was. But. So finishing up, what's the, the, the biggest words of wisdom from the master trapper you done that? <laughs> master trapper. No words of wisdom, just get out there. <laughs> just get out. That was such a letdown, man. <laughs> just get out there and try your best. Try and, every time you go out, try and learn something new. That's what I do. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I do. <laughs> well, you're, it's, it's obviously you're trainable, so. Yeah. If you ask my wife, not so much. <laughs> but most stuff I don't want to do, she's you know, telling me to do. I actually want to do the trapping, so. I understand. But, uh, no, no. Well, do you have any new lures or gizmos or gadgets or anything you got coming uh, out this year? normal working on that stabilizer, um, but... Uh, oh, that's y'all's product. Yep, yep. Yeah. I was going to get you to show me one somewhere tomorrow, but I didn't know it was your product. Yeah, um, we're, we're still working on it. Um, I think it'll, it'll be, I think it'll help a lot of guys, a lot of guys will like it. Um, can you make it where you can put two traps side by side to cover more water? Uh, if you use two stabilizers. Okay. So, where we got it now, where we're at now is we can put them on the TS-85s. We're trying to get it so it'll be on any traps, um, you know, CDRs, um, you know, MB-750s. Um, so it's, it's kind of... It's harder with them because the base plates and stuff are all diff a lot different. Um, where the TS-85, uh, we can get a pin to go through it. Um, so what we're trying to do is get it to hook on. But once my uh, our master engineer figures it out, <laughs> so we'll get it on, get something going on it. But um, so it, is, it is this good. a partnership with you or, you, or is this a Norm gets to give twenty percent away again to somebody? No, this is a partnership. Partnership. Yeah. yeah. I'm the brains and he's the brawn. <laughs> yeah. He can weld. There ain't no freaking doubt about that. Yeah, he, he's pretty, he's pretty handy. He's got. They, uh, but he, he's pretty handy. I mean, he comes up with some, some good ideas. Yeah, I, I'm impressed because I was I thought that was something that was already out there somewhere, and I'm like I haven't I haven't seen that. Yeah, anymore. I I looked all over. I'd never seen anybody using them before. And Is that uh, a spider on the wall next to you? No, oh, that's a. Uh, it's got one of our blood in it. It's a mosquito. Okay, well appreciate that. <laughs> the decor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Especially because yeah. we're we're both like. I, you drove how long yesterday? Uh, eleven and a half hours. We're about eleven. Yeah. I thought it was going to be nine. I don't know where that came from in my mind, but it was eleven. Started setting up and hot and. Yeah, it was terrible today. It was terribly hot. And it's been cool at home. I'm like Eskimo up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll have you back on sometimes and. Um, 
you know, if anybody on your your uh, trapping talk or whatever, whoever wants you to talk about something, you know, like that, just let me know and we can. Okay. Or if you wanted to keep a list of questions that people ask you a lot, then we can like do it all at one time and then okay. you can just go. There you go. All right. I'll, I'll start the list. All righty, bud. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, Clint. See you guys. Don't dread on us, we're not afraid, you work for us, we're not your slaves, don't tread on us, you cross the line, soon you will pay, for all your crimes, after And anticipation Now we've lost our patience yeah. You're trying to kill our constitution To kill our pride Now the wood is dry yeah. Don't tread on us We're not afraid You work for us your slaves don't tread on us you cross the line soon you will pay for all your cries you keep on pushing us into desperation you lonely few our determination Slay